0: It has been more than a century since a former U.S. president has testified, under oath, as a defendant in a court trial. That all changed yesterday.
1: What's striking about this scene is that none of us have ever really seen Trump testify before, and we're witnessing history.
0: Shana Jacobs covers courts and criminal justice for The Post.
1: There's, you know, there's an energy through the room because it's just such a momentous thing and we have to try to catch every second of it. And then Trump takes the stand and it's wild.
0: Yesterday, she was inside the packed New York courtroom as former President Donald Trump took the stand.
1: He looks... Unhappy, He looks uh, agitated at times, shaking his head, folding his arms and leaning back. He just looks uh, disgruntled.
0: After, Trump told reporters, the whole trial is a scam.
1: I don't have to be here for the most part, but I sort do have to be here because
0: I want to be here. This is a scam, and this is a case that should have
1: never been brought, and it's a case that now should be dismissed.
0: New York's Attorney General, Letitia James, had a different take.
1: He rambled. He hurled insults. um, But we expected that. At the end of the day, um, the documentary evidence demonstrated that, in fact, he falsely inflated his assets to basically enrich himself and his family.
0: From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm your guest host, Kim Belware. It's Tuesday, November 7th. Today, we make sense of Trump's legal fight in New York and why it matters. We'll also check in on the head-spinning list of other court challenges that Trump is facing. Shayna, former President Donald Trump has been in the legal spotlight for a lot of these days. And for many of us, like me, it's been really hard to keep track of all of his trials What is this trial in New York about? Can you give us the background?
1: Sure. So New York Attorney General Letitia James has maintained that the annual creation of very exaggerated statements of financial condition that that spoke to Trump's personal net worth were purposely inflated for the Trump organization, Trump's company, to get better Interest rates from banks when they did loan deals uh, and better insurance policy rates when they dealt with underwriters. So, uh, James has alleged that he at least received $250 million in ill-gotten gains. And as the trial has gone on, it seems like the attorney general's office is going to ask to recover even more than $250 million from profits and from savings that the Trump organization received as a result of this longstanding practice of theirs.
0: And to be clear, this is not a criminal trial.
1: It is not a criminal trial. There was a criminal investigation um, by the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, uh, but it was for a a long time the Manhattan DA's focus on Trump. Uh, Trump obviously is based in New York. His former attorney, Michael Cohen, is the one who got the ball rolling by publicly saying...
0: And here is the truth, the man doesn't tell the truth, and it's said that I should take responsibility for his dirty deeds.
1: That's while Trump was in office in 2018, so it, he you know, began describing a long-running fraud that became the subject of both a criminal and civil investigation.
0: So as Trump is accused of committing this rampant fraud, inflating the value of their assets and their properties, what has Trump's team argued?
1: Their main points are that the banks and the insurance firms didn't lose anything. They they also profited. Trump profited. Trump didn't default on the loans. They say the, the values are actually not exaggerated. I mean, Trump yesterday said he's worth billions more than the billions that he claimed he was worth in these statements from 2011 to 2021. Uh, So they maintain not only that the statements are accurate, that they can't be fraudulent because they are accurate. And if anything, Trump was lowballing these figures. And they also say that all these deals went well. Everybody was happy with the business arrangement. Nobody got cheated. Nobody got sued. There were no loan defaults. So, you know, they say, how can there be a victim? And the, you know, the state's answer to that is it's, fraud committed against the public. It is important to keep these things regulated. And, you know, Judge Ngoron, who's overseeing the case, has sided with them on that point so far.
0: So Trump has also clashed with the New York attorney general. Has he mentioned that in his defense at all?
1: Like the other cases, you know, one, one aspect of the defense is that I'm being selectively targeted because of who I am. This is a political move they claim that, you know, Valuations are subjective and that differing valuations happen all across the, uh, the industry, the commercial real estate industry, so that nothing abnormal is happening here.
0: For Trump, how serious is this? What, what are the stakes of this trial?
1: It has the potential to really meddle in his business, which means a lot to him. His business is his wealth, because pretty much all of his assets are real estate assets. So everything the company owns represents Trump's personal worth. So not only might he lose kind of control of what what the company's doing in New York, which is really his home, he may not really be able to exist here the way that he has his whole life.
0: What is an example of one of the properties that Trump is accused of inflating the value of?
1: So his former full-time home uh is the penthouse triplex at Trump Tower on 5th Avenue that was inflated by many 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 millions of dollars uh, allegedly um and the square footage of the apartment that was al- is already a giant apartment it was valued at three times the size that the apartment actually was so I mean, the AG alleges there were all these like methodology tricks that uh that the that Trump and his executives used in order to achieve these figures that were were just out there.
0: Is there any truth to that?
1: James maintains that there's legitimate fraud happening here. I mean, the attorney general's office in New York has gone after Trump for things before: the Trump Foundation, Trump University. The, the I mean, there were settlements that knowledge that something wrong had happened in these, like, you know, these Trump enterprises before. So there's precedent for the New York State to go after Trump for things that they find deceptive. But, you know, Trump's side contends that we did no wrong. These, these statements are proper. And if anything, they are lower than they should be and that nobody got cheated, nobody, nobody complained. You know, one of the factors he've, they've been focusing on is brand. And I mean, the idea being that Trump properties are worth more because somebody wants to buy properties from Trump because he's Trump.
0: What was the courtroom scene like yesterday? Can you describe, you know, what did Trump look like? How was he carrying himself? What was really striking about this scene?
1: We're kind of used to seeing him in court by now, I think. He's showed up a a number of times, seven or eight times on days when he didn't have to. He just wanted to witness. It's clearly important to him. It's clearly affecting him. And then Trump takes the stand and it's not how testimony normally goes. He's, you know, being scolded throughout almost like a child because he's not focused on the questions. And it's veering into improper, the way he used the witness stand as, uh, you know, as a, as a campaign stop, essentially. The judge kept cutting him off. I mean, within 10 minutes, there was, Mr. Trump, you have to answer the questions. We're, we're not going to do this. This is not, you know, this is not a rally. Please just answer the questions, no speeches. And, you know, at one point, the judge asked Chris Kyes, his lawyer, to talk to your guy, talk to control him, talk to your client. And Kai said, no, he's a, he's a, he understands the rules and he's trying to present his case.
0: So things start out, and it seems then Trump cycles through a range of arguments. Were there some of his quotes or some of his complaints that really stuck out to you?
1: Probably the strongest point he makes is that the banks did not feel like victims, um, did not complain, did not sue him, did not put him in default you know over several hours he d- did answer questions directly but then would go off on tangents and they're all the familiar tangents that we have we've heard you know democrats are after me and uh they're trying to interfere with the election it's all so abnormal it's it's hard to even put in into context
0: after the break We'll hear what's next in this trial and how it fits in within the array of other legal problems Trump faces as he runs for president. We'll be right back. One of the things that you and our colleagues have reported is that Trump is very annoyed and very um, feeling really hostile about this trial because this is in part threatening the legacy that he plans to leave to his children. So Trump's family members, his two sons and his eldest daughter, are also involved in this case. What do we know so far about what each of them has said?
1: Well, E.G.'s big point about Don Jr. is that he— essentially falsified records by signing off on stuff he should have known was was false. He says,
0: I'm apparently guilty uh, of fraud for relying on my accountants to do, wait for it, accounting. It's a sad state of affairs.
1: And Eric was similar. I mean, they both distanced themselves from the process of compiling these statements But there are emails and some, there's some testimony from other witnesses that kind of point to Eric being somewhat involved in the appraisal process. Eric's been running the company, but he denied knowing anything about the process and being involved in the process.
0: What about his daughter, Ivanka Trump? She's scheduled to testify tomorrow.
1: Ivanka was relieved from this case in June by an appellate court on statute of limitations grounds. However, I think it seems like the AG is gearing up to ask Ivanka about her role in obtaining a business relationship with Deutsche Bank. And there are emails showing she's like the person who developed this relationship. Between Her husband also, Jared Kushner, was part of developing that relationship. So probably they're going to try to find out how she got the relationship with Deutsche Bank. There's certainly the AG's theory is that they deceived Deutsche Bank.
0: So, Shana, stepping out of the New York trial, can you walk me through what other charges and cases Trump's at the center of? Kind of big picture. Can you help us differentiate all the things that he's facing?
1: Yeah, it's almost unfathomable, but he has over 90 felony counts among four criminal cases. One is here in New York. It was the first. It was a big, very big deal, first former president to get indicted for anything. Uh, He's also indicted In special counsel's investigation for his role in in January 6th and also for his role in in Fulton County, Georgia, for alleged attempts to overturn uh, the results of the 2020 election there. Then you have in Florida another federal case uh, where he's accused of mishandling and and hoarding and in A very large amount of sensitive government documents that he was not supposed to take with him from the White House uh, that were not secured and not returned to national archives like they were supposed to be. He's facing in four different arenas the possibility of prison time as he's attempting to take office again.
0: And what are the timelines and the implications of this, we are, you know, the next Republican debate is tomorrow. Um, he's the presumptive, you know, he's he's the front runner so far. All, all likelihood is that he is going to be the GOP candidate. So um, all of these trials are, you know, kind of converging as he's also mounting his second run for office. So what's the timeline, and what are the implications?
1: I believe some of the judges overseeing the cases are trying to make trials happen before the election next year. And I mean, that's that's ambitious for, you know, in many situations. It, it, if someone got indicted today, it would be kind of, I mean, depends on the courthouse, depends on the jurisdiction, depends on how things are handled in a particular area. But it does seem uh, like some judges are trying to stick to trial days and that it's very possible there will be one or multiple trials next year that, uh, you know, obviously have significant possible consequences for him, but also he will probably use uh, to to boost his campaign and to boost fundraising as as he's been doing throughout this this pending matter
0: Well taking us back to New York State to the Manhattan courthouse, what comes next in this civil case?
1: So Ivanka will testify she's the last witness on the AG's direct case so she will wrap up their presentation. The Trump side is going to make a mistrial motion. They were discussing that yesterday. And, uh, you know, th- those are so rarely granted. It's it's a Hail Mary. And then we move on to defense witnesses. And that'll probably go on for another few weeks uh, into December. And then there might be a rebuttal case from the AG. So it is really based on what they're describing it sounds like it's going to basically run into Christmas or almost Christmas.
0: And as you mentioned, since this is a civil trial, there's no risk of jail time for him. But what's the upshot? What is uh, A.G. James want as far as, you know, what is she pursuing as far as a penalty if uh, if the judge does find Trump liable?
1: At least $250 million, but maybe more. Um, she wants to be, uh, to basically revoke the privileges of the, the individual defendants, which are the Trump sons and uh, Trump and and two former finance executives who are no longer at the company. She wants to prevent them from ever being able to operate companies in New York. So that's significant for, you know, certainly Eric and Don. She wants to prevent them from being able to get new loans. She wants to prevent them from be, being able to acquire new properties. Trump Tower, it's on Fifth Avenue. It's, it's worth tons of money, and it's the headquarters of Trump Organization and has been for decades. So it feels like this has the potential to take away their New York presence.
0: Shana, thank you so much for your reporting, and thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Shana Jacobs covers courts and criminal justice for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Alana Gordon with help from Emma Talkoff. It was mixed by Sean Carter and edited by Monica Campbell. If you're not yet a subscriber to The Washington Post, this is a great time to start. You can get access to all The Washington Post has to offer, and now you'll also get ad-free podcasts and more premium audio perks. Subscribe in Apple Podcasts or by following the link in our show notes. I'm guest host Kim Bellware.